The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Acts, the second chapter, the story of Pentecost. This has been called by some the Peter package. Now, what does the Peter package include? It includes the basics necessary 
to be a Christian, to be a person of the way. This is where the journey begins. Conviction of sin, confession of need and fault, detailing what I have done. John the Baptist would not baptize a person until they had given a very clear confession of all known wickedness in their heart and their life. So the Peter package is Peter's basic understanding of what is necessary to be a Christ follower. And the first one is to repent. Now you can't repent without confessing your sin. And repentance is a part of that. And repentance is turning away, turning away, choosing not to walk that way anymore. They were told to believe in Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ or Messiah. So number one is to repent of your sins toward God. Number two, believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Number three, be baptized in water. Now, I don't care. I don't care what theology you follow. I don't care what church you're a part of. I only know what Peter said was necessary to start the journey. Your pastor may disagree. Your pastor may say, no, I can just sprinkle you with a little water and you're baptized. No, you're not. The word baptized in the Greek, baptizo, means to plunge under. I was plunged under. Believe me, I could forget if somebody just moistened my forehead. I will never forget the day. I'll never forget the hour. It's still as vivid in my mind as if it happened yesterday, and it happened many, many years ago. I was plunged under the water. That's what Peter says is necessary, not sprinkling. And I hear these people say, you know, baptism is just a public demonstration of your commitment to Christ. No, it's not. No, it's not. John the Baptist was very clear. If you repent of your sin and you get clean with God, when you go under this muddy Jordan River, remember Naaman didn't want to go under that that dirty Jordan River to be made clean. And some of you may not want to be baptized in the Occoquan River or some other body of water. You may be afraid. But it's necessary. Because when you go under that water, when you are plunged under that water, the Lord does something inside of you of forgiveness and healing. And you come out of that water 
and you're clean. All of your past sins are wiped away. You now stand before God as a new birth, a new child, born into the family of God. It's necessary that you be baptized in water. And then he says, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Has God called you? Then Peter is saying, The package is not complete until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, until you have been plunged into the holiness of God, plunged into the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this experience of being plunged into the holiness of God, into the Spirit of God, is just as real as is the plunging under the water. It is just as real. And some of you say, well, I think I've been baptized in the Spirit. No, you probably haven't been. You may have the Holy Spirit influencing your life, and he was influencing your life when he began to convict you of your sin and turn you away from it. And he's still influencing your life. But let me share with you, the Holy Spirit is not simply an influence on a person's life. He is a person as much as Jesus Christ is a person. While not a human person, he is a divine person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. The Holy Spirit is a person with personality, with thoughts, with feelings. He is as much God as the Father is God, or as Jesus is God. They are one. And so, many of you were baptized in some fashion, sprinkled, forehead anointed with water. Some of you were even plunged under the water. But you've never experienced that plunge into the holiness of God to be made holy to be made pure and to give and to be given the power to witness and testify and minister to others you know i've lived now these many many years and the greatest sorrow of my heart is that I've not yet been plunged into that holiness and purity. I've not yet been plunged into that power, but I'm going to be. The Holy Spirit has promised me he will do it, that he is coming. I know he will. I know it is necessary. God is calling for every person who wants to be on the journey toward heaven, 
to repent of your sin, all known sin, to turn aside from it, to no longer make any excuses for that sin. He wants you to fully put your belief and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. He wants you to be baptized, to be plunged under the water. If you have not been plunged under the water, you need to be baptized. That's the Peter package. And if you're not going to believe Peter, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe a modern teaching that says you don't need to be baptized, it's not important? Am I saying you have to be baptized to be saved? No, I'm not. And see, here's the problem. We all have, in our culture, set up this vertical line where we've said, come forward and say this little sinner's prayer, and then you have your ticket punched, and you're saved. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a church and watched as the pastor gave the invitation. People went forward. They said the sinner's prayer. And then the pastor said, Welcome to the family of God. You're all saved. But what's he talking about? He's not, he's not in the line of Scripture. He's teaching a false doctrine. He's deceiving these people. And if you went through that and then you call yourself a Christian, you have been deceived. the very heart of Pilgrim's Progress with John Bunyan. And he was a Reformed Baptist. But his belief and my belief are in complete agreement, even though we come from two very different strains. I come out of a holiness background. He came out of a Reformed background. But he believed that it was a journey to heaven, not a a vertical line that you passed and now I'm saved and now I can continue walking in my uncleanness and it's okay, Jesus understands. It was all finished at the cross and so I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm good to go. I can't lose my salvation. That is all total, complete garbage. It is not what the scriptures teach. And if you teach that or you believe that, you are deceiving people and you will take them to hell with yourself. It is a journey. And in that journey, there is a total repentance towards God. There is absolute belief and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. There is being baptized in water, plunged under the water. There is receiving that baptism then as a gift in the Holy Spirit where I'm plunged into the holiness of God, into the Holy Spirit. And I receive the power of Pentecost. This is the Peter package. This is what Peter believed. If it differs from what you believe, you must choose. Will you listen to men and women teach who have never seen Jesus, who did not follow him for three years, who do not understand salvation, 
or will you listen to an apostle Peter who tells you very clearly in detail what you must do to enter into this path of righteousness now I want to share with you out of the book of John out of the gospel of John you remember I've been sharing with you many times and I just keep coming back to it why because I'm working this out in the spirit as I walk I am not a finished work I'm a work in progress there's no room for arrogance or pride I've made so many mistakes and I have had such misunderstanding and I've repented and asked Jesus to give me clarity and I've come to a point where I say if it's not in the scriptures I won't believe it I will only believe what is in the scriptures and not just one verse but many verses I won't cherry pick John 3.16 and say okay see I'm saved you can't do that with scripture it's all context what's the context of John 3.16 we won't go there today but I am going to take you please to John the 15th chapter and we find here Jesus begins to talk in parable form and then he's going to become very straight this is the one who taught Peter I am the true vine my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you remain in me and I will remain in you. Well, how can you remain in Jesus? How can you be in Jesus? No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I've told you this 
so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. Well, what does he command? Peter outlined it in his package on the day of Pentecost. That is the command of Jesus. It is to love one another. But how can we love one another and be of one mind if we have not gone through these necessary steps? We can't. So many of us have spent a great deal of our life studying carefully the teachings of Scripture, reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I've read it many, many times. I continue to read it daily. Do all that I can for the kingdom of God, talking to people, witnessing to people. But I recognize without Jesus, I can do nothing. And I along with the other pastors in Washington, have been able to do basically nothing. Oh, we can build a great church. It's not that hard in Washington to build a great church. You can build a mega church. The plan is all laid out. Do your community surveys. Pull your team together. Bring in the top-level speakers, bring in the concerts, have a great building with great praise and worship. I mean, all it takes is some money and some planning and some strategy. And you have Vala, you have a church. I've seen it done over and over. I've been a part of it over and over. It's all under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I remember my father in the faith was Pastor David Wilkerson. I was crying out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I knew I didn't have it. I called him on the phone. I said, Dear Brother David, can I come to New York and would you anoint me? Would you be the channel by which the Holy Spirit could come upon me in Pentecost power? He said, no, brother, don't come. I said, why? He said, because I don't have it either. He was very honest and forthright. I love David. He was my father in the faith. David Wilkerson from Times Square Church. He was my father in the faith. He said to me, I don't have that baptism. He said, you just have to go in the anointing you have. It broke my heart. I wept. 
Because if my father in the faith was saying, there's no longer a baptism in the Holy Spirit for you, with Pentecost power, it's just the influence of the Spirit on your life and the anointing and a little touch of God. That's not enough to deal with the wickedness that has come in America. There has to be something else. There has to be a power in the gospel. And I read about it in the scriptures. So most of you you've lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit but you've had to fight the demons constantly. Remember the passage of scripture I shared yesterday where a man cleans his house and sets it in order, drives the demon out. And that demon wanders in the wilderness, waterless waste, till finally he says, let's go back. And so they go back and there's no one in the house. So he goes and gets seven buddies and they move in. And the scriptures say the fall of that house in Luke, the 11th chapter and Matthew, the 12th chapter, the fall of that house, it's greater than before they even were cleansed. And many of you today are no better than when you were cleansed. You're walking in abject wickedness before God the demons have moved back in oh maybe not the same same demons but bitterness anger discouragement despair argument self-importance ambition the love of money lust as these demons come in it takes all the power of a Christian, everything he can marshal to fight off these powers that come against him to destroy him. John, the 15th chapter, verse 26. When the counselor comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I've told you so that you will not go astray. They'll put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. Verse, verse 5, Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me where are you going because I've said these things you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. How does he convict the world of guilt? Through you. Through you. <laughs> Regard to righteousness regard to sin, judgment. He wants to do all of that through you and me. And if you go to John, the 17th chapter, John, the 17th chapter, 
Let me read this for you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. He wants to dwell in us. Now, I want you to go with me to Romans, the sixth chapter. Paul begins to put feet under this Pauline package and what it means. In Romans, the sixth chapter, the question is shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we died to sin how can we live in it any longer or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death how are you baptized into Jesus by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First water to be cleansed, to be washed, to be made clean, to have your sins forgiven, and then to be plunged into the holiness of God, into the Holy Spirit. It says... We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is a life in the Holy Spirit. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. This is what is supposed to happen when a person confesses their sin, turns from it. That's what repent means. And is baptized in water. They are joined together. They are brought into a place where they can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, where they are no longer sinners, but made righteous by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. It says, as anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life 
For sin shall not be your master. Because you're not under the law, you're under grace. Now what's so exciting to me is that now we're brought into the Holy Spirit. And whereas we used to be slaves to sin, we now become slaves to righteousness. But it's only by the power of the blood of Jesus that we've been washed clean and our sins have been forgiven. And now the Holy Spirit has come to keep us clean, to dwell in us, to bring the Father and the Son and the Spirit all to dwell in us and with us. Now we come to the seventh chapter. He talks about the law having authority over a man only as long as he lives. But if he dies, the law law has no longer any authority. But now listen. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were working in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul is talking about a new way in accord with the Peter package that I've shared with you that we must be baptized in water for the forgiveness of our sins. If you have not been baptized in water, if you have not been plunged under in water, then I urge you to take that step. It's a necessary step to begin a true journey with Jesus Christ. And then you must do as it says in Luke, the 11th chapter. Jesus instructs us to knock and seek and ask and pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit until that gift is sent by the Father. Because everything now that you're going to read that the Apostle Paul writes or that Peter writes or that any biblical writer writes, John, everything assumes now and says that you're walking cleansed, washed, made clean, and now you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you walk in the purity and the power of Pentecost. 
you're alive with Christ. But now that's not the condition of most. And I want to read for you what happens in Romans, the seventh chapter. Paul begins to talk about himself while he was pre-baptism into Jesus and pre-Holy Spirit baptism. He begins to talk about himself as a Jew who did everything possible to keep the law. He said, this is 7 verse 10, Romans seven ten. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. Now many of you who were not baptized in the Holy Spirit have spent years struggling against these demon powers that when you were swept clean have come back to haunt you whether it be pornography or bitterness or anger, rage. These things come back. Now, you've had to make excuses, and you've said, look, all I can do is my best. That's a lie. Your best will never be enough. It is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Why are we so afraid of the Holy Spirit? Because he's holy. And when he comes, he comes to take over my life. It's no longer my life. It becomes his life. And he will not keep many of the things in your life that you treasure places that are favorite places for you to go. They might not even be sin. It might be you just love to go do that, but the Holy Spirit may say no. It may be places that you should not be going. That club, as one pastor said, I know how to hang out with the world and I know how to hang out with Jesus. No, he doesn't. He has utterly deceived his heart. Or the pastor who said, come on, Ray, go to the, there's an action flick this afternoon, a Friday afternoon. Come on, let's go to the flick. I said, no, I can't go there. Why? Because Jesus won't go there. Come on, pastor. There's nothing wrong with a movie. It's just an action movie and it's for men. Not this man. The next morning, that man was going to meet with the men of his church. And he was going to lead them in a service. How much Holy Spirit presence do you think he had in that meeting? He had utterly grieved the Holy Spirit from himself. 
You see, what we've done, we've not wanted the Holy Spirit to come and take over our life. We've wanted to have a bit of the world and a bit of God, a bit of religion and sentiment, go to service and be inspired and laugh and maybe have a tear or two, have some coffee and donuts and talk to our buddies and go over all the scores on the sports that we love, talk about the weather and talk about everything but Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. You'll make somebody uncomfortable. What have we become? Worldly people. There has to be a change. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, and I invite you to do the same thing. I have a meeting in my home every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and we spend a couple hours... We come to pray, to wait before the Lord, to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Spirit for Pentecost. We'll share some scripture on on our waiting. We'll share whatever we heard that week in the Holy Spirit. We encourage one another We encourage one another in the journey. For we have not arrived. I have not arrived. This is for us a journey. And some of you, you may say, Pastor, I need to come and wait with you for the Holy Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's where you're at, and you earnestly desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit, or if you have not been baptized and you earnestly desire to be baptized, I will offer you, after a clear understanding of where you stand in Jesus, and if you're truly ready to repent, then I can baptize you in the river, over in the Occoquan River, If you'd like to be a part of that right at the ground level where we're waiting on our Lord and we're seeking his face and we're seeking the gift of the Holy Spirit that he promised in Luke 11. If that's where you're at, I invite you to call me. This is for serious calls, not arguing, not telling me I'm wrong. I'll just click the hang up button. I'm not going to fight with you. But if you're honestly searching, you're welcome to call me, 703-489-1785. We're a small group, we're intense, and we're earnest, and we're real. We want Jesus and all of his fullness and the Holy Spirit in all of his power. If you'd like to come or you need to be baptized, 
Then do whatever you have to do. Call me. I'll tell you what the directions are to come. 703-489-1785. If I don't answer the line, that's my personal cell phone. Leave a message. I'll call you back. Now Paul began to cry out, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. This is before his baptism. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. Do you have sin living in you today? Some of you I've spoken with in person and you have confessed that you have sin dwelling in you and you say, I'm working on it. No, that's not how you deal with sin. You confess it. You repent of it. You cut it off. And you do it by the power of the blood of Jesus. And then you're baptized in water and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit now he talks about so I find this law at work when I want to do good evil is right there with me for in my inner being I delight in God's law but I see another law at work in my members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has given to us all that we need for salvation. He has given us his wonderful and precious promises by which we partake in the divine nature. That's what Peter said in his epistle. We participate in the divine nature by his precious promises. And so we look honestly at our life and we say, have I just been calling myself a Christian because I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit and I spend all my time struggling against these demons. Yes, you're a Christian. You're on the path. But you're getting beat up. Are you tired of that? I am. I'm going to wait on the Lord for the Holy Spirit, the baptism he's promised, the Pentecost baptism. I'm being honest with you. I can't make it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit and his purity and his holiness that he brings as God. And I'm trusting him to do that. I'm not going to be satisfied with some divine influence on my heart and my life that gives me some kind of anointing to preach to you. I'm not going to be satisfied with that anymore. 
I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is the Peter package. And if you're missing a couple parts, some of you have simply confessed your sin in a general kind of way. You've said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I'm going to trust you now. Take over my life. And then you've gone on and lived your life. Many of you not even being baptized in water, not being plunged under, not being washed. Is it any wonder that you're struggling to be a Christian? You've not fulfilled the basic requirements that you need to fulfill to be a Christian. Now, can you be saved and not be baptized? Absolutely. Can you be saved and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But your life is going to be a bitter struggle. And you may or not, may or may not finish the course because you have the enemy target on your back and Satan will do everything he can to destroy you. And one man said to me, Pastor, I'm not going to go any longer on this journey because it is too hard. I didn't understand what he meant except it was hard for me too. But I couldn't agree that Jesus was a hard man. I knew there was something wrong in me. Well, there was. And what was wrong was that I had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost power. Now, I wish I could not be on the air for a few months and I could just seek the Lord. It would be a lot less embarrassing. The Lord has not allowed me to have that privilege. Instead, he said, you do that radio broadcast and you share the journey as you go along and then you share the victory when it comes. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Many of you are without the victory. In fact, I don't know of, I don't know of any pastor in Washington, D.C. who truly has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there may be one, I know many who have a heavy influence of the Spirit on their life, but they've never truly been baptized in Pentecostal power. They may even call themselves a Holy Spirit church, but you go and there's no Holy Spirit, and your heart is grieved, and they pray for you, and nothing happens. Well, Pastor, what about when I was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, did something happen? Did the Holy Spirit fall on you? No? Well, you don't just take that by faith. When you were put under the water, if you were baptized, you have a very vivid recollection of going under that water and being brought back up. Well, you can't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not know it. It doesn't come secretly, slowly. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know it. And some of you, can I say this kindly? Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you've so grieved the Holy Spirit, you no longer have any power. You've gone back to the old ways, or you've been satisfied with such a light touch of the Holy Spirit. You have no power. I'm not willing to live that way. I need it all. 
I need the Peter package. I intend to have it. If you'd like it, and you want to wait with us, then call me. 703-489-1785. We're out of time. I want to thank those of you who have so graciously sent offerings this week. Two of you sent wonderful offerings. I want to thank you. This is a very hard time for me. In many areas of my life, things are very, very difficult right now. Please pray for me and for this broadcast and for the National Prayer Chapel. And if you're called by the Spirit to give, please do so hilariously. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can also give online. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.